This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, however it applies for your Tuesday episode of the show. Obviously, guys, uh, one, two, three, four, all four days of the combine are up. So anybody looking for that didn't get to it yet, make sure you go ahead and check this one out. Um, your host, Jeff Lloyd, uh, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The show is always at Locked On Browns. All lowercase, follow back account, DMs are open. Uh, from at Browns Digest through SI.com, Mr. Ad underscore Pete Smith underscore. Pete, it's been a few days. Uh, it's good to have you back. And I think the second the combine has ended, we've probably hit the silly season here, which we may have to incur for about two weeks until free agency. You know, we start to get some noise, start to get some meat out of those types of things. Um, so kind of here where we are. So obviously, Pete, we didn't get to you, you know, over the weekend here, you know, charging the batteries, getting all this content out over there at SI.com. Um, whether the Schobert situation is over or not, everybody knows my feelings on it. Just my question is, is what's the plan here for 2020? Is the plan to be competitive? Is the plan to create, you know, some money? I'm not really sure how all this is working out. I don't think they can. Uh, I don't. I, I don't think they can operate in a world where they're they're going to say to bronze fans, who uh, in large part, so many of them are already uh, predisposed to think this group is going to tank, um, that they can realistically expect that they they can safely take a step back and not incur the wrath that comes with that. So, whatever they decide to do. Um, with uh, what, as it goes to these players, whether it's Joe Schobert, whether that you know that that goes the way it's being reported, or if that leads to Olivier Vernon going too, I don't think they can just say no. We're going to take a step back. It's going to be fine. They have if they're going to do this, uh, they have to do it in a way where they're also getting better and showing progress on the field, and that's. Uh, a difficult uh, wire to sort of walk, but that seems to be the way they're going with it. Um, you know, and, and, and things can change, obviously. You know, I think as much as, uh, you know, people are playing it out like anything with Schobert is final, um, it's a negotiation and that tends to be how these things are going. And the collective bargaining agreement's still not done. And there's all these. And look, Schobert's for- camp wanted this out just as much as anybody else here because their thinking is, is well, we put out what we're looking for here. So anybody else who says, all right, well, if we get the chance to sit down with Joe, we know what the beginning numbers are. Well, I mean, I'm I, I, the early source, I assume is, is, is Schobert's agent. I mean, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I assume it's entirely from his side, um, which is fine. You know, it's just, easy to see where it's coming from. Uh, but again, and, and maybe that's ultimately where it goes, but that's sort of uh, a natural reaction to have when you're a player and you're unhappy with an offer or whatever. And you're saying, you know, I'm, you know, planning on walking away or whatever. That's certainly a tactic you can have. I think there's an element of sort of playing on, on the fan base's sympathies, which, you know, thus far um, seems to be mixed. Um, there are some people who are obviously, you know, frustrated and want the Browns to pay him, and there are some that are sitting there going, "Eh, 
he's apparently a jag anyway. Um, I mean, the bottom line is he's he's a, a very very good football player. There's no getting around that, and you don't get better um, by letting him walk. Now they obviously have to have some way to replace him, replace anyone else they're going to lose, whether it's Vernon or all of that stuff. Um, that becomes the discussion, and it may be a statement of how they feel about linebackers overall, as opposed to just Schobert. I don't I don't know. Uh, there's certainly an argument that says that. Uh, you don't, you just don't value linebackers that much. You only really value guys who cover receivers or, or rush the quarterback. And and I would I would counter by saying that Schobert's skill set is why he's worth it, and you can afford to pay one linebacker a premium contract. Uh, but that uh, I, I just I don't see a scenario where they can plausibly say this fan base who is so predisposed, it, at least a lot of them, to sort of go oh. They're going to trade, let everybody walk. You know, they're going to go backwards. They're going to tear it all down, et cetera, with, and realistically be able to say they could potentially do worse than the team did last year. I just don't think that's feasible in any way if you are Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry. Well, first things first is you then you don't open and have your initial talks and say, we're going to be extremely aggressive. And my thing is, and, you know, this is, and look, my feelings for Joe Schobert aside and for everybody for the millionth time, I talked well about Joe Schobert when Pete started doing these shows with me in 2017. Joe Schobert didn't come on until after the 2018 season. So it's not like I'm kissing his ass now because he's been on the show a couple of times. I, I've always appreciated his game. The way I view this and look, it's great that they have cap room and or, or trying to create cap room. That's fantastic. Pete, regardless of the front office that's been in place and you've been obviously a fan of this team for, you know, since you were in short pants, so to speak for as long as I've been here, they don't draw free agents. They've never really been able to draw the big name free agents. Sometimes when they did, it didn't work out. This product right now is a, if we hit on somebody, we most likely got to keep them because I can't in everybody. Oh, well, Corey Littleton's available. Okay. Well, Corey Littleton's going to go for, $15, $16 million per. That's what top linebackers got last year. Maybe I, I don't see the way that's going to crack or change now. Um, and again, even if the money was between the Cleveland Browns and another franchise who's more stable, has had more success over time being, you have the question of the players going to choose that franchise, A, over the Browns, B. This is still a – I don't see how this is not still a homegrown franchise where if you do hit – you got to keep them and you better bust your tail in, you know, obviously, you know, within the draft, um, you know, granted you can bring in your Morgan Burnett types and those types, but I don't know, understand how anything's changed now. And especially when your GM is 32 years old and it's the first time he's doing it. Kevin Stefanski is a first time head coach. Why all of a sudden you think this team is going to be able to go big game hunting in free agency. Um, so the Browns were a big, like a, a reasonably big free agent target, but that was like when free agency just started and they were a player uh, in the Reggie White sweepstakes. Um, unfortunately, that was about the only time they've been a big player in free agency. It just hasn't, you know, for, they been were also awful. much, they, they had more success back in those days as well, though. Right. They, 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 basically since free agency really began in the way, like modern free agency, the Browns have sucked. So, 
you know, it wasn't, you know, after 1994, they were basically done. Um, so, no, I mean, they, they, they have they have gotten free agents, but it's, you know, it's not, uh, it, it's usually paying a substantial amount of money for them, uh, and they're not usually the top, top, top guys. Um, so they are at a, a disadvantage seemingly for the time being. Uh, obviously, the Browns, front office believes they can do something. And again, this assumes that this is ultimately sort of the final deal with Chilbert. And I don't know if that is, but I, 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 I sympathize with your point. I, I don't think you know, basically every free agent they're, they're going to talk to, whether they're officially a free agent or not yet a free agent. Um, all the biggest ones that like seem even remotely reasonable have some connection to this team. And it's, you know, be, because it's, Minnesota guy like Anthony Harris, who obviously knows a bunch of people here, and there's a familiarity with it, or you know some of a those huge things. need. But it's not like um, you know just Joe Schmo, who's or, or let's go, let's say Yannick Ngakwe. He's going to be franchised and wants to be traded, but let's say he was on the open market. He's not looking at Cleveland. There's unless there's a connection there. You know, there's no you know, natural transition for guys like that. But um, so they are going to be, I, and I assume outside of guys like maybe Anthony Harris and maybe uh, finishing second in the bidding for a guy like uh, uh, the tight end from Atlanta, Hooper, they're not going to be. Hooper. I think he's going to be a Chicago bear. Um, but uh, I, I think they're going to try to go get a guy like Harris. And then they're going to be focused almost entirely on, lower and middle tier free agents and then trades uh, whether, and I think most everything to me right now, based on just what's going on uh, with the Schobert thing makes me think more and more that they are going to trade down and they may trade down multiple times, which doesn't mean they're going to trade down from 10 to, you know, to, to, to 18 to then like 40. I think it's more along the lines of they may trade down from, I think they they seem likely to trade down from 10 uh, short of a guy like Werps being there. And then they may trade down from 41. They may trade down from one of those third round picks or something like that. I think they may, they may trade up as well from a couple of those picks because they have specific targets in mind. But I do think um, they are going to try to get more bites of the draft apple because they that's obviously going to be a huge part of what they, they, they want to do. Yeah, and I think that's where the building of this roster comes from. And, you know, and the way you're going to get people here when you are a franchise that doesn't have a ton of success is, you know, look, 7, 8, and 1 isn't going to sell it. 6 and 10 isn't going to sell it. What's going to sell it? It's going to sell January games will sell it. That will maybe tip the scale where somebody says, yes, even though this franchise has five Lombardis, say you're competing with the Eagles, you know, who right now every year they're playing January games. Until you're proving that you've got the equal footing of we play in January too, that's where it comes into the issue. And, you know, look, yes, I do appreciate Joe. I just don't understand, you know, you guys know me, and this is things I've said for years doing this every offseason. I don't understand why you look to create more holes. Um, Is the money that crazy? Who truly knows? I kind of know the contract he's been offered. And it's the same contract Christian Kirksey is currently on right now, which doesn't seem right when it's four years apart. 
Um, obviously, negotiating still to go. We got more to come from. Um, and through the offseason here, guys, the network is maybe talking about going to three shows per week. You know, that probably doesn't jive with me. So you, the shows are going to be shorter, which they've been preaching on me to keep them, you know, at, you know, under a half an hour. Um, but you're still going to get your same amount of per week. Okay. That's the best I can do with you. Plus it helps me keep the batteries charged, helps me keep my wife and two daughters, the sanity level there. You know, we'll mix some other things in. Stephen Thomas is going to pop in this week. Get some other opinions because obviously Pete's work just keeps mounting as SI Dodge, uh, as a uh, Brown's Digest grows over at SI.com. More coming here. Zabel Apparel. Um, again, I can't talk enough about the folks. Everybody is trying to make some money here, doing whatever it is. Uh, lots of folks in the apparel business. Craig and his family put out a great product. Comes from the heart, comes from the passion of loving this franchise that probably never loves them back and go to road games. Um, never quick to print off of something silly or just a hashtag type of thing. Good stuff for the love of the franchise and just the deep appreciation of it. You're looking for apparel. Zabo, S-Z-A-B-O, ZaboApparel.com, Zabo Apparel on uh, Twitter, on Instagram. Go ahead, check out the fine folks over there. Pete, the NFL got what they wanted this weekend. The, you know, the ratings did go up. That's fine. But and we'll get your thoughts here. I don't think I've seen some – I've never seen weirder testing numbers in my entire life. Just the way it worked out. And now a little bit removed, you know, talking with some agents, talking with some of the training guys. Um, the biggest part was, you know, how do you handle this? Because for years it was, all right, you're going to be ready to go at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Get up, get a little caffeine in you. We've got this type of shake we're making for you, smoothie, whatever it may be. Go ahead, tear it the hell up. We'll get you a nice meal afterwards. Do the best you can. Um, there was the complaining about, and I think there was a lot more commercial time and with the installation of the new uh, you know, on-field drills, a lot of standing around and learning things. It's great to change things. I get it. And, you know, if you don't adapt, you die, all that type of stuff. The product wasn't nearly as good as it's been in years past. Um, and eventually now, because we all, everybody stopped. We know the combine's going to be, it's, the combine's going to be in L.A. Apparently, they've already purchased property to build the facility where the combine is going to be in LA. We all get it. Then maybe the time will be a little bit more regulated. Obviously, if it starts at four o'clock in the afternoon here, that'll be more one o'clock Eastern. Still finding a way to do it. Again, it will have some effect on it. Um, the combine itself, Pete, you know, players, positional groups, floor is yours, sir. Um, well, I didn't see the combine other than the simulcasted two hours, I think, total ESPN had, which was bizarre. Um, <laughs> so in that sense, I was as disconnected from the combine as, as I ever have been. Um, and as much as I would like to watch some of the stuff, like the drills and stuff, um, you know, it, I found it surprisingly easy to live without. I mean, honestly, uh, so, I, I, you know, I, I, if the ratings were better, I'm surprised because I know there was no buzz in terms of like normal years, it seems like there's so much, you know, the timeline is just exploding with stuff. And, and it 100%. Times that, at, at times and even for Henry Ruggs, his forward was quiet. I mean, like when Beckton ran and stuff like that, but like, you know, Friday night, uh, you know, they, they have the testing stuff and, you know, 
that was the Lyman night, and I went to watch a high school basketball game. Like, it didn't feel like I had to be there in that sense. And I don't know if the, you know, if, if the NFL can't get me on that, um, <laughs> that's an issue. And obviously, that's that's you versus weird uh, conflict with NFL Network. I, it, but I, it's it's strange to me that you couldn't stream it on the website. You couldn't do any of those things that, like, you know, seem natural because it's, you know, the NFL Network's not very well run. Um, every year, it's just a victim of the programming. Um, the 40 is way overhyped. Um, and, and, and the, the, there's nothing that, um, in, it just infuriates me more than the people who insist on tweeting so-and-so made money because it's the dumbest thing you can possibly say, because unless you're giving them that money, after they've run that 40, chances are they're going to go do something else. And since so many of these guys, and I think the, the formatting and all these other things had, had a lot to do it and, and completely is going to jack up this draft season, um, so many of the people who allegedly made money then went and lost it on the agility drill. So it's just one of those phrases that's just <laughs> so stupid, especially when it's like, uh, you know, what's his face? Uh Isaiah Simmons made money. Where is he going? Like, he's already <laughs> he up there. Going like, there's nowhere to go. He, he's not a pass rusher. He's not, you know, he's not a, a corner. He's a, he's a linebacker. He's a very, very talented linebacker. But, you know, you've got Lewis Reddick saying, like, he, he can't go lower than four. That's insane to me. He's a, 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 he's a phenomenal talent. His tape's not that not that world changing. He like he has to be Superman to make this thing like make sense. And you're saying you you can't see him going like his basement should be four. That's crazy to me. So, um, it, you know the, the times that were good in agility drills certainly matter. But like so many of these, I don't know what to truly make of them. Um, like the receivers and defensive linemen in particular. Uh, the uh, receivers for the most part agility was awful uh and and that whether it's true they were like basically standing around waiting for so long like they 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 didn't eat for like seven hours when the testing was going on at like 11 30 eastern at night is insane and i don't care if they move to la you know that if, if they don't get that part right they're still standing there not eating for seven hours and it's screwing with the testing which is supposed to be the point even if it's interviews and medical that, that uh, you know, trump that ratings don't trump, you know, the point. So that, that stuff is irritating. And, and I, and I fully expect the NFL is, you know, going to do the follow through with their plan on, on making this a Los Angeles thing and all of these other things, but the NFL doesn't operate in a way that's like good for the players and teams first. They operate entirely in a way that's good for the bottom line first, and then try to figure it out for everybody else uh, the rest of the way. And I don't know if they're going to make that much more money from this or not, but it just didn't work very well. Offensive line class, you know, better than advertised. It was everything it was supposed to be and then some. Um, just they're, they're far and away, they're better than the wide receiver group. I did not expect that to be the case. Wide receivers have a ton of players and they're really good, but the offensive line are just better or the offensive tackle, the interior, not so much. Um, linebackers were a bit of a, some pleasant surprises in there. There's some guys that I think um, 
your boy Evan oh, Weaver actually showed some athleticism, which I you know which was the one thing we were trying to say. We didn't think we were going to see any of it. And he actually tested pretty well. Yeah, everybody keeps telling me all these guys are non-athletic, and then they go out and test athletically. I need to stop listening to anyone. But yeah, <laughs> he, he tested better than I thought he would. Uh, but but there's like a number of these guys, like Malik Harrison, who didn't really produce at Ohio State, tested great. Uh, like he tested, yep. you know, better than than Schobert did coming out. And obviously, Schobert was way more productive. Um, but there's there's one guy that, you know, and this is what I like about the combine. Obviously, it's convert, confirming um, what, you know, that, that fast guys are fast and all that stuff. But, like, it's some of the guys who I have to go back and look at. Uh, like, uh, Danny Pinter from Ball State tested, like, a really productive tackle. Um, he's being projected from gu- to guard. Uh, his athleticism suggests he could still be a tackle. And I don't think he's going to be like so many of these other guys are all flying up the board. I don't think he's going to be that guy, but maybe he is a guy who's suddenly in the conversation of those day three picks, you know, draft free agent or something that could be a potential value. Linebacker wise, um, Sean Bradley, not that Sean Bradley, uh, <laughs> the, the posterized uh, one himself from Mormon. Temple, uh, tested great. And he has really good production at Temple. His film is, you know, inconsistent, to put it kindly. I mean, he, he, he looks like he's going to be a will linebacker next level. He doesn't take on contact real well. You know, there's a lot of missed tackles and stuff like that. But you can see him flying around on the tape. And you can at least, like, he might be a guy, like, a couple of years ago uh, that I loved coming out of uh, Cincinnati uh, named Eric Smith who was an undrafted free agent, the Vikings grabbed him the same year they drafted Eric uh, Lee from uh, Baylor, I think. Uh, Elijah Lee. Elijah Lee. Yeah, and they were both super athletic, super productive guys. Elijah Lee's a 49er now, but Eric Smith's still on the the Vikings, still hanging out there. And, you know, uh, that may be the approach they take, is the Vikings, uh, uh, maybe more than anybody else, have just absolutely crushed it on undrafted free agents and particularly a linebacker where they may feel like they can genuinely find guys. So like Sean Bradley is a guy I've looked at and to, you know, again, I don't think he's going to be suddenly, you know, a third round pick or something. He may not even get drafted, but he does have some tools that make you go, you know, that that's somebody I'd love, love to see in camp. Maybe I, you know, grab him in the seventh round or whatever it is. Uh, So from that standpoint, it's great. You know, DB's not, I haven't really done a ton of digging into them. I, I don't love them the way some people do, uh, which is, you know, whatever. Uh, the edge class, you know, I, I don't think it's great. I think there are certainly players in there that are fine. Tight ends are okay. I don't think it's a great class for them. Running backs are, are fine. Um, and, it, you know, but – if you're trying to tell, tell me the Browns shouldn't take an offensive tackle with a first-round pick, and you watch this thing, I think you're crazy. The, the, Tristan Works out-jumped Jerry Judy and DeAndre Swift. I mean, that's <laughs> stupid. He's 320 pounds. And, you know, Ezra Cleveland, and I was watching his tape today, um, you know, and I've watched him before. I don't love him. I think he's he's a really really talented player. I I certainly see the the attraction with a, a player like him, but uh, you know the, the the athletic tools are undeniable and they're obvious on tape too. He, he's got some 
some questions to answer. Uh, you know, can't, he doesn't really have like a doesn't really finish plays well. He's he's soft in that regard. Uh, it, it just doesn't have a finishing mentality. Uh, and, and I would love to you know develop that. But you know, you watch him. He's he's got everything you could want in terms of like what his own tackle is supposed to look like. So I, I get it. Um, so again, I think for the positions that the Browns really need, um, this draft does largely pretty well. Um, DB, DBs in particular might be more of an issue. I don't love the, I, I like Jeremy Chin better than I love the other kid. Um, Duger. I don't know. I don't know where those kids are going to get drafted. My guess is for the most part, all these safeties are going to be too rich for where I would take them, um, which isn't where you want to be. So, you know, we'll see. I, the the Browns have a lot of options, and I'm curious to see which way they go with it. Um, but yeah, offensive tackle. It's if, if they stay at ten, it's an offensive tackle. If they move back, it's an offensive tackle. I don't understand how what other possibly there is other than they're taking an offensive tackle. Well, I mean, it, it's their biggest positional need. It's what the draft is giving you, and part of why they got the buzz was because those workouts were still coming within, you know, Twitter timeline time. And this was part of it with Friday night and Saturday night. Look, back in the day, you know, you could tell your girlfriend, your wife, your significant other, let me do this all day. We'll go out. We're going to have a nice night. We'll have a nice Friday night. We'll have a nice Saturday night. Um, It's hard to tell your significant other, oh, no, we're not going to do anything on Friday night or Saturday night because I want to watch the NFL Combine. Obviously, people still did watch. Sure, but it, it, it made for a tough scenario with that. The thing that aggravated me was with the you know it, with the wide receiver class was everything was about Henry Ruggs's forty, which Pete, we didn't need to see that. Everybody knows Henry Ruggs is fast as hell. We need to see Henry Ruggs do the rest of the stuff. But the pressure was on him whether or not he can compete with John Russell's forty, which is what the entire night was about. Oh, here's so-and-so, a great player, you know, CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, yeah, yeah, this is what I read, uh, you know, guys who, you know, are going to get drafted or hire them, getting poo-pooed, so we can just focus on a freaking 40 time from a guy that we know is legitimately fast as hell. That was annoying. It was a waste of time. It's not what it's supposed to be. Seeing him run a gauntlet, catch every ball, seeing him run some routes is what we truly needed to see, which ended up not happening because all the pre- and uh, you know and I feel bad for the kid in this respect. You know, he's still going to go whatever, he's still going to go extremely high, but what you wanted to see as far as an evaluator and, and people who do this is you want to see more of it. You want to see clean, crisp and everything he did. You didn't get that opportunity because the pressure was put on him to essentially try to beat John Ross's time, which just became it, it the way it was done this year, the whole thing just was a tad bit of a turnoff. And, you know, I thumbed through the DBs yesterday. I was, Honestly, I was more concerned about just checking out times and, you know, and just seeing them given to me because it just – the way it was done kind of lost the flavor here. Um, one more ad to jump to here. Uh, obviously, folks, the uh, Google News hits um, one minute, five minute. Um, they're coming at you daily. Short, uh, you know, short stuff, uh, factual information, longer one, obviously, you know, with – News of the day, you know, NFL related, obviously with the offseason here. Can't keep everything Cleveland Browns related. So go ahead, check out uh, Google News Hits. If you got the Google Home, go ahead, check that out. We'll get to one here before we close. And now it comes out a little bit out of uh, Philadelphia here, Pete. And, um, 
you know, maybe, and I guess it was an Eagles announcer, I mean, an Eagles reporter on somewhere, where maybe they would move, on, move Andre Dillard with a package of Alshon Jeffrey to get rid of Alshon Jeffrey's contract, which is now an albatross. So every Browns fan wants to jump in on this. Um, my question is, and Pete, huge on Andre Dillard, uh, Dillard you were, um, and we agree he was a really, really solid tackle prospect. Um, without not having a first-round pick, he was not going to be a Browns option. But why is a good franchise, and this is my question, why is a good franchise like the Philadelphia Eagles would even possibly remotely move on from somebody they drafted less than 11 months ago, trade it up for, have a ton invested of, you're not going to move on from a guy like that that you had so much faith in just to unload a contract like all Sean Jeffries. And the caveat to it is why the hell the Brown, why the hell would the Browns do them this favor and take on Austin Jeffries contract? Well, uh, first question or first answer to the first question is why would they theoretically use Andre Dillard as a sweetener? Um, it may be like Desmond Howard when he was drafted by the Redskins and they got him and he showed up and his teammates are basically, what the hell? This kid sucks. Uh, you know, he they, can't they run around other than the nine and he returns punts. Great job here, fellas. Yeah. What the, the, the story goes with, with Howard was he showed up the first day of Redskins practice and all the teammates basically said, this kid can't, this kid ain't going to work. Uh, and he didn't. So it's possible that's part of it. Uh, it's possible the, uh, <laughs> The contract is so bad that they are they're willing to do that much to get rid Cut of it. Cut their nose off despite uh, their face. <laughs> right. Uh and, and why would the Browns do that as a favorite? Well, I mean if they again, if they aren't gonna do things like extend Schobert and, and they're looking to move on from uh Andre Dillard and they're sitting there going, Well, we've got this cap and we're, we're you know, again we're we can use it as a weapon, then you could do that. You could take on, uh, you know, uh, Sean Jeffrey's contract and get a really, really highly rated super athletic tackle that could fit what your scheme does and was just an outstanding pass protector uh, in, in college. And, you know, fits from that standpoint. And, and you know, it's no different than, you know, what you did with Brock Osweiler. Um you know, it's a different deal with where the Browns are in in terms of building their their team. So it's hard to know if they feel like they're in that position. But if they don't spend a lot of money um, on, on retaining players, or they're they're basically waiting for next year. What as far as like move like if, if you can get yeah, Alshon Jeffrey for like I think it's sixteen million or something like that. I don't know how much the Browns would actually carry of that. But if you can get to a deal where, uh, you know, you're setting up basically all this money to extend Miles Garrett, extend, uh, you know, theoretically Njoku if they like what he can do, or Larry Ogunjobi or, or, or whatever. Baker Mayfield. And, well, and then Mayfield and Ward and potentially Chubb the following year um, is – if you can essentially set aside, which is my whole has been my whole argument for keeping Olivier Vernon is basically that money's not, you know, that money's basically already accounted for. So if you say we're not going to keep Olivier Vernon, or, you know, you just have this money available anyway, as you're trying to get ready for uh, the following year, um, then you could say, well, we're, you know, we can basically take this contract, get a, a tackle prospect, be, 
you know, super relatively low spending, cost efficient, get an extra rookie and maybe something else. Who knows? I mean, that would seemingly be enough. Get rid of Alshon Jeffrey. Probably don't even ask him to show up. Uh, <laughs> you know, and then you basically operate with this free uh, situation. Now, do I think the Browns will do it? No, but that's only because I think the Dolphins will beat them to the punch. I think this has Dolphins written all over it. Um, they have a billion dollars in cap room. They're one of a few teams with 80 million plus, uh, and they are in a position to, you know, take a slow build and do it that way. So if they, uh, you know, agree, they can easily say, yeah, we're going to take this. We've got plenty of cap room. We're not going anywhere in a hurry. And we need offensive line tackle help or offensive tackle help anyway. We're, we're, we're loving this idea. So we'll see if, if, you know, the Browns even nibble because I think there are enough teams out there and the, and the Dolphins have already proved they're, they're, they're uh, smart enough to do this uh, with uh, the Aqib Tlaib trade, yep. um, that they are in the market to do this type of thing. And if they do that, then that could be a big, big benefit for them uh, to add a player for basically nothing. Which is, they, they are in position to do the exact uh, Chubb deal as opposed to the, the uh, pale imitation they did last year. Um, <laughs> it's funny. Oh, and people get all over the Dolphins for not tanking enough last year. Um, but, you know, plenty of capital there in Miami. Um, look, and the thing is, is look, and my other thing is, is if the Eagles are stuck with a bad contract and also on Jeffrey, screw the Eagles. F them. That's their fault. Um, it was a bad deal when they signed him. It's a bad deal now. Why is anybody going to be in such a rush to do a favor for the Philadelphia Eagles? Um, we'll put a wrap on this here. For uh, at underscore Pete Smith, make sure you're following Pete over there. At Browns Digest, make sure you're following over there. Through SI.com, the show itself. At Locked On Browns, all lowercase. Always follow back account. DMs always open. Ideas for the show, questions, whatever. I do my best to get to you guys. Uh, obviously, busy. Busy, busy time of the year, but I do my best. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs open as well. You know, same type of deal over there. Um, just keeping it going here. Um, getting Closing in on free agency. It's going to come quickly. Hope everybody's enjoying their offseason, perhaps early spring. 65 in New Jersey here today. Have maybe seen two inches of snow, if that, the entire winter. Fingers crossed that this is the way it continues. But until the next time, this has been your daily delivery of all things all about. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.